didn't see it coming. The podcast about brands that learn from the past, are looking to the future, and are profiting because of it today. I'm your host, Mark Stoiber. Hey, it's Mark here. Today I have a very interesting interview for you. Her name is Midori Nidiger, and she is with Vengage, a company that takes infographics, something that brands are increasingly turning to to make reams of complex data easy and persuasive for consumers, and they DIY it. I like this kind of stuff because anything DIY is very cool. Things that used to take tons of money and tons of time to do and are now easy to basically do yourself. I love that kind of stuff, especially when it produces really, really good results. And that's what Vengage does. So without further ado, let's get to the interview. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Give us a little bit of background on yourself. Yeah, so I'm actually from kind of a niche field called biomedical communications. Um, And it's basically all about using visuals to communicate effectively um, with complex topics in science and medicine. And I've actually joined Vengage um, as somebody who can help people who don't necessarily have a design background, but who want to create beautiful, effective visuals um, to, to help them do that more efficiently and, and to help them learn about the, the design principles that one can use to communicate better. Well, you're hitting on something really, really important here. And I know I want, I want to dig into the history of, of infographics and the history of how design communicates with us on, a, on an irrational, emotional level. But you just hit on something very, very important. Uh, talk to me about your background and how that would lead to designing infographics. You're talking about something that is very much our biology here. Yeah, for sure. Um, when when we're talking about infographics, I mean, it's really all about visuals and visual perception. Um, our brains are particularly good at processing visual information. In fact, about 40% of our cerebral cortex, which is the part of the brain that's responsible for the higher level functions like consciousness and memory and language, 40% of that is actually devoted to visual perception alone. So processing visual information. Um, and because of that, we acquire more information through our eyes, through sight, than through all of our other senses combined, um, which makes vision a, com- a really powerful thing for kind of designers to play with when they're talking about communication. Now, um, hold on. I, I'm a chronic interrupter. I apologize. <laughs> but, you know, working in advertising and design, I, I, I discovered that or I learned that, obviously something you already know. People react far more to, what is it? Is it color first, then shape, and only way down the list, words? What's the order? Yeah, so it's, there isn't necessarily a strict order, um, but there are definitely some things that we, we, we react to or that we process uh, before other things. So those things we refer to as pre-attentive features. So mm-hmm. basically they're the things that, we, our brains process before we consciously attend to them. So basically our brain reacts to them before we even aware of it. Um, so yeah, some of those things are color. That's one of the big ones. Um, motion is another one, which is harder to, you know, play with in a static visual, Mm -hmm. but, um, size is another big one. 
Um, and then kind of further down the list, we're talking about um, orientation and, you know, things that are things that are less obvious. But something like text, we it, it's really meaning meaningless to us on that level. We, we have to consciously attend to it and consciously think about it in, in order to inter interpret it and really understand it. So if we can play with those pre-attentive features like color and shape and size, those are, you know, the really the most powerful things. Now. Uh, you know, when I when I was uh, working in advertising, we strived and strived to simplify our messages as much as possible. You have a, a big, bold visual and a short headline that convinces people of the point you're trying to make, mm -hmm. and then you're out. Um, but today, uh, it's complicated because what we have is an explosion of content. So it's gone the opposite way. I mean, writers have more work than ever, but do we more than ever need sort of this post-literate uh, <laughs> psychology where you're going, you know, let's cut to the chase, guys, let's cut to the visuals. And how, do this, how does this work together? Do we want more content or don't we want more content? Well, I think that's the beauty of an infographic is it sits somewhere in the middle. So it can... It can they can be built so that they're, so, that they're very information-dense, but that they seem really, really simple when you're looking at them for the first time. So I, I, I like to suggest that people, when they're making their first infographic, you know, take some more, more complex, more detailed, long-form content, like a blog article or something like that, and then try to turn it into an infographic as like a bite-sized summary of that huge piece of content. That's what infographics are so great at. Right. Now, let's talk about that. Again, I, all the stuff that I wanted to talk to you about, I'm going to have to push off here because I, I, I love what you're talking about. If we, if we talk about putting an infographic together, it's not as simple as just taking the words on a page and putting visuals to them. There's a hierarchy and an order. How do I go about doing this? Yeah, so... It can seem a little bit overwhelming if you've never done it before. It seems like maybe kind of a magic process. A designer just comes up with this infographic, but it isn't necessarily that complicated. Um, so, yeah, you touched on a really important thing, which is hierarchy. So um, if you're taking some content, you basically want to make it as skimmable as possible. So that means creating things like a header, a subheader, sections, um, maybe even lists, or um, basically creating a, or finding that that inherent structure in your content and and highlighting it and reinforcing it um, and adding visual components that reinforce that inherent structure. Wow! Now this didn't just come up one day. This has a long history. We uh, infographics are nothing new. You know, you and I have had a long conversation about this already. But infographics are nothing new. Take us through the history of this. How we learned how to use infographics. Yeah, um, I mean, depends on how far you want to go back. Um, you could even say that infographics go all the way back to, um, I mean, three thousand BC. Because you know, yeah, when we were painting on caves, right? Exactly, hieroglyphics. That's that's kind of an infographic. But um, in terms of the modern infographic, one of the main players back in the late 1700s was a guy named William Playfair, um, and he was one of the first people to 
really create visuals to represent data. Before him, um, any published data would have been presented in the form of a table, which is really just not that useful for gaining insight about data. So he was one of the first people to recognize that if you present data visually, um, you could help them people understand and see patterns within that data. Um, and he actually invented some of the most fundamental data visualizations that we still use today. He invented the line chart, the bar chart, um, and the pie chart. Oh my so, God, death by PowerPoint was invented by <laughs> yeah. somebody who actually had his heart in the right place. Yeah, exactly. So where does uh, it go from there? So he kicked things off, but through the 1800s, there were, you know, it, it started to catch on. Some people kind of developed more complex visualizations. Um, but another big player was in the early 1900s, um, someone named Harry Beck, who you might have actually heard of. He created a map of the London subway. Um, that was radically simpler and easier to use than the previous iterations of it, which is what was a huge deal at the time because he basically recognized that if you simplify things a little bit, they'll be so much easier to understand. And that's a huge part of what makes infographics so great. That, so it's, it's the, the perception is that it's beautiful art and wonderful to look, look at is actually kind of misleading. If you come in at, as a, just a designer who's trying to make something beautiful, you're missing the point. What you have to come into it with is going, I am just trying to make something simpler for people. Strip away, strip away, strip away. Exactly. It's about simplifying to create clarity, really. Oh, man. So where does it go from here? Because, I mean, the, the London subway, the London tube thing is world famous. Everybody yeah. knows that example. So where does yeah. it go from there? From there, um, so we could talk about um, a guy named Otto Eicher who um, worked, who did some design work during the 1972 Olympics in Munich. Um, he basically developed this set of icons, which are also very famous, um, to visually represent different sports, um, basically for all the promotional materials. And that was kind of a big spike in the popularity of icons and the idea that you can reduce a, a more complex concept down to a very simple visual. Um, and I mean, icons play a huge role in infographics today. Hold on a minute. Now, we're not talking about the guy who invented basically the, the men's and ladies bathroom sign, the, the simple, simple graphics that are men and women. He like the Olympic sort of uh, symbols where it's, it's the same simple ball on top, body, yep. bow and That's arrow. That's the guy. Yeah. Really? Oh, very <laughs> yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is very cool. And I mean, he changed the way that we make signs today, basically. That's crazy. So, I mean, infographics are actually everywhere. You look at a stop sign, you look at a yield sign, you look at a form that you have to fill out. It's all down to infographics. Now, what, what does this lead to today? Uh, because, I mean, uh, infographics seem to have sprung out of nowhere as this really cool, trendy way of conveying information in a hipster kind of way. Wh where did this all come from, the modern movement? Yeah, I mean, it might seem like they came from nowhere, but they really were built out of necessity because basically we've seen such an explosion in the amount of data and information out there right now uh, with the development of technology that basically we, we need to find new ways to convey that information concisely, effectively, efficiently. Um, and that's kind of where the field came from. And I mean, even now we've got so many tools for, you know, dealing with data and visualizing data, even like something as simple as Excel or Google Sheets um, allows us to, you know, manipulate data much faster and much easier. So now it's kind of in everybody's hands to make these kind of visuals. Uh, 
infographics were still very, very much in the domain of the designer where you would bring a designer a hierarchy of your information and you'd work together to try to hash that out. Um, what Venn Gage is doing right now is radically different. You're putting it in the hands of brand stewards. How long has this been going on that people have been doing it themselves? Yeah, I mean, so Vengage has been around for four or five years now, um, which in the grand scheme of things is is really pretty recent. Um, but I mean, we still we still run into people who to this day say, oh, no, I couldn't possibly make an infographic by myself. I'm not a designer. I don't have these skills. So sometimes it's a bit of a learning process where we say, yeah, no, you definitely have those skills. We, we you know, there there are tools out there that can help you do this on your own. You don't need to feel like it's something that's unattainable. So if I want to if I want to create my own infographic, one of the big thing is uh, designers hacking our brain to, to figure yeah. out how to convey the information uh, in a most streamlined, uh, most efficient, effective way. Uh, do I even start with a tool that is helping me convert my thoughts into graphics or do I have to go back even further and start doing it on post-it notes, anything like that? Um, so I think you kind of touched on a really important thing there is a lot of people want to jump right into the tool because they, you know, see a pretty design and they're like, Oh, I want to make this, but I wouldn't want to just use my own content, but it's always a better idea to go back to the content and really organize your thoughts there and say, you know, what are, what are the most essential points within here that my audience needs to understand the things that I'm talking about? And, you know, how do all these bits of information relate to each other? Do I have important statistics that I absolutely need to include? Is there stuff that I can, that I can cut out to, you know, make things a little bit simpler and a little bit more clear. So it's always a good idea to go back to your content and try to create um, you know, that structure and that hierarchy before you even jump into designing. Okay, so now I, I, I have taken a hard look at designing my content in a way that it flows logically. It's almost like a wireframe of my yep. information and the hierarchy. And, and then what? Then what happens? So then it's all about um, taking, you know, simple visual design principles to reinforce those um, those things that you've pulled out in your outline. So I'll, I can take you through a few examples, but in, yeah, in terms of, yeah. So in terms of designing an effective infographic, you want to recognize that our brain is naturally looking for patterns in visual information. We try to structure what we see into patterns that will help us make sense of information. So we can, we need to focus on um, uh, using principles that I'm going to go through in one second, uh, like grouping, color, size, alignment, those kinds of things to make your information clear. So if we start with something very simple like grouping, um, we can create groupings within our information um, in the same way that a written article is div divided into sections with subheadings. Yeah, it's just like a, a structure. You can build, you build, every time I, I write a piece of copy, you write a, a structure of the copy. First point, exactly. second point, third point, sub points to reinforce, quotes, all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, it, and obviously that kind of structure will help us understand the content. So in terms of creating visuals or visual groupings in an infographic, there are three main ways that you can do that. So you can take related elements and enclose them in an outline or a shape. Um so that's one of those pre-attentive features where we see, oh, there's an outline uh, around these, these things. They belong together. They're part of a group. They're related. 
Um, similarly, you can just do things as simple as placing related elements close to each other and less related elements farther away from each other to, you know, distinguish between between groupings. Or, or your last option is to basically explicitly connect related elements with lines. So these three principles, so enclosing, um, using close proximity, or connecting with lines are all based on the way the brain likes to find patterns within what we see. Um, so those are really easy ways to visually reinforce uh, the relationships within our information. So this sounds very much like something that I could do uh, at home on a whiteboard, uh, yeah. you know, before I ever started doing it. I think this is super important to, to reference too, because I work with clients all the time because technology is so advanced, they jump to the technology right away. And they're surprised when they don't convert that the information doesn't get through to consumers. And I always tell them, let's go back to post-it notes and Sharpie pens. So exactly. something you very much endorse. Yeah, for sure. Always, always sketch out pencil and paper is your best tool um, before you jump into high fidelity designs, because it's easier to not get attached to things if it's just pencil and paper. And you can really it forces you to organize your thoughts. Um, I always I also suggest that everybody starts by designing even when they're you know starting in a tool to start designing in black and white, because if a design communicates effectively in black and white, it's going to be that much clearer when you add color. Now, I, I, we got to go to a break right now, but um, I want to touch on more. When I have all my post-it notes hanging up on the wall, I want to touch on what is the next step and how does Vengage exactly work? I want you to take me through uh, a, a sample of how this is going to work. But let's cut for a second to a quick break and then come right back. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this interview. I just want to let my listeners know that I just launched a new ebook called Stop Busting Your Brand. You can download it for free just by checking out the show notes of this interview. Enjoy the book and enjoy the rest of the interview. All right, we're back with Midori Nediger of Vengage, and we have just gone through an amazing history of infographics, uh, you know, all the way from cave paintings to today. That's a big jump. But now we have also covered how to go about doing your primary sort of infographic using Sharpie pens and post-it notes. Now we're going to go through how you actually engage a, a, a service like Vengage or a SaaS product like Vengage to create your infographic. All right, I've got my post-it notes up on the wall. I'm ready to go. What do I do? Yeah, so basically you've got two options. Um, for absolute beginners, we usually recommend starting with a template. So when you're, when, when you're working with a template, basically you want to focus on finding a template that reflects the structure of your information. So if you've already or done, done the work to organize your information on post-its, you've drawn it out on a piece of paper, basically you want to find a template that kind of will fit the you know, fit the structure and the volume of your information. So we've got templates that, um, for example, a, a, a really popular type of template is the comparison template. Um, so when you're trying to communicate a visual comparison in, in an infographic, a really easy way to do that is to pick a two column layout. So basically you're able to compare and contrast directly from like left side to right side. Really easy for people to understand and really easy to use. So. Uh, basically, you want to just identify the type of template that's going to work best for, you know, the, the type of takeaways that you want your audience to have. Um, and then it's really as simple as 
kind of manipulating the template to fit your own content. So, you know, start by replacing the dummy text with your own text. Um, second step would be to start playing with, with visual elements like icons or images. So we haven't really touched on icons too much yet, but um, the idea behind adding icons to an infographic is basically that there's a lot of research that suggests that having images or illustrations or icons that accompany your text will help make it more memorable, help make it immediately easier to understand at a glance. Um, so it can be really helpful to add really simple icons next to really key points in your text to like, to, to really just, um, you know, reinforce that idea or make it seem more important. Um, and so that's, that's kind of what I recommend. Once you get your text in there, start adding visuals like icons. Now, where does it go wrong? Uh, you know, you've got a service that helps people out. And I, I know when I work with, uh, you know, for example, WordPress and stuff like that, it, you always see these wonderful, or Squarespace, you see these wonderful layouts or click funnels I've worked with. You see these wonderful templates. Everybody says it's easy. It's so easy. Anybody could do it. Five-year-old could do it. No, they can't. What problems do people run into most often? The biggest problem I see is people picking templates based on aesthetics not based on structure. So a lot of people will come in and they're not necessarily that familiar with infographics, but they see a template, they love the color scheme and they say, oh, I want to make this one because, you know, I love the, I love the red and blue. It looks awesome. And they, they go ahead, they try to put their content in and it just doesn't work because it's not built for their content. So if I can recommend one thing, it's forget about aesthetics to begin with. Pick a con, uh, pick a template based on structure. Now, I mean, yeah, go ahead. Uh, playing with color at the end is kind of the easy, fun part. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's there's so many resources out there for finding nice color palettes. That's something that you really shouldn't ever have to worry about um, until the very end. Not to say that color isn't an important communication tool, which it is. Um, but just leave it alone. The first thing but, is get your information prioritized and set out in a way where people go, oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. You can always stick in. Uh, if the, the little man is red, you can always make him blue later on is what you're saying. Exactly. Exactly. Now, uh, give me an example where infographics work extremely well. I mean, you have a lot of experience at Vengage. You see a lot of people using your, your template. Uh, is there any sort of business sector or profession where you go, you know, these guys, they really need infographics. I mean, the first place I go is extremely complex stuff. I go to the medical field. I go to things like sustainability. I go to tech, you know, where you're trying to explain abstract concepts. What, 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 are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it really let, it does lend itself to those fields. I would totally agree um, in, in places where maybe you're, you're trying to communicate more complex stuff to an audience that doesn't necessarily have a background in that. So, I mean, public health is the perfect place. You always see infographics kind of doing, you know, summary fact sheets on a certain disorder or disease. Um, that's, that's a huge thing. But we're finding more and more that um, in the world of content marketing is just loving infographics because they have that engagement factor. People get excited about them. If somebody's going to have to, if you're, if, 
let's let's just say somebody's going to choose between you know reading a two thousand word article and re- looking at an infographic. They're going to choose an infographic one hundred percent of the time. You so know, it's, it's really funny. I, well, you should mention that because uh, I, intuitively, you know, I always try to observe myself as a consumer as well as a person who builds brands. But intuitively, if I see an infographic, I just go to it because it yeah. has a sort of a it has almost like a, 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 a little puzzle, a little, uh, you know, dominoes, follow the dominoes thing, and you're, you're tracking along. It's almost got a little bit of gamification to it. You know, you follow from the top to the bottom. You see little surprising things along the way. It's like, it's like a sort of a map quest thing where you're, you're going on your mission. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the best infographics uh, kind of tell a story in the way that, um, you know, any good article does. It takes you from one place to the next and, you know, kind of leads you through and gives you kind of supporting information and um, really kind of takes you on a journey almost. So where are we going? What's next? You guys are working on stuff. We don't know what's behind your walls. What are you working on? What's going on? What's new? Uh, new in the world of infographics. I, I don't know. It's always changing. I think there's even more of a focus these days on, um, you know, visualizing data. So what the, what the best, best practices are in terms of, you know, taking larger data sets, which we have access to now and distilling them down to digestible graphs, that kind of thing. Um, I think that's kind of the direction that this field seems to be going in. Talk to, uh, one thing that, that I'm seeing more and more, uh, is using videos. You know, I use videos all the time. I started writing blog posts and then I went to podcasts like we're doing right now. And now I'm doing really, really short videos as well, content for people. Um, do you see uh, infographics going a lot more into the sort of the live animated form? Yeah, I think there's definitely a parallel there. If you look at, I mean, most of the 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 big motion graphics YouTube channels these days um, that are, you know, trying to get people excited about education um, or about, you know, learning about scientific topics and that kind of thing. A lot of them are using the same principles as we see in infographics, um, except they're animated. Um, but there's there's definitely a parallel there. Um, and even, even incorporating, it's not quite the same thing as a video, but um, incorporating simple interactivity into inter, into infographics. So there's a little bit more of a, uh, of a kind of discovery phase um, is definitely something that I can see growing a lot in the near future. All right. So I want to try it out. What do I do? Uh, so you head to vengage.com. <laughs> amazing. And, this is amazing. We get a plug for a company yeah. here. No, I, I got I to gotta tell people I do not, I do not promote folks who, who, uh, whose products I wouldn't use. And when I look at your stuff, it's just like eye candy. I feel like, I feel like it's Halloween and I'm just about to go trick-or-treating when I, when I open up your stuff. And I, get, I, I, I geek out on this and I could totally see myself like creating a ton of infographics for my clients. And I do. So uh, yeah, Vengage, V-E-N-N-G-A-G-E. Yeah, dot so, uh, yeah, com. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, hopefully you will have some sort of content that you've kind of taken to the summary level um, and then pick a pick a template. We've got templates for all sorts of different types of infographics. We've got timelines, we've got mind maps, we've got presentations as well. Um, basically anything, any type of visual you can imagine, we have a template for. So now hold on, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. Mind maps is one of my favorite tools. Uh, yeah. I, I love mind maps. Uh, explain to people if they haven't heard of what a mind map is because I find them extremely helpful on them. You know what? I'm blown away 
by the number of times that I present a mind map to a bunch of web developers. And they're like, mm -hmm. where'd you get that? <laughs> it's like they've never seen it. I'm going, oh my God, I'm the oldest guy in the room and I'm using <laughs> these things and you guys are surprised by it. So t take us through just a mind map and how they can, how they can help you with uh, uh, an infographic. Yeah, well, so to me, a mind map is just a really simple way of organizing some information and presenting that hierarchy in a way that you can really understand without thinking about it. It's just, it's very natural to see, um, you know, we've got this one big thing in the center and we've got things branching off of it. And clearly those are, um, you know, smaller categories of that big category. And then you've got more branches off of that. And I find even even aside from the, you know, the presentation aspect of it, the idea that you want to, you know, communicate something to somebody, I find them useful to just organize my own thoughts. If, if I, you know, can, you know, drag things around, put things in bubbles, you know, just figure out how things fit. I find that really helpful. Yeah, me too. I, I can't believe that I got by this long without actually having a mind mapping program. I used, like I said, I always use the, the basic stuff, which is post-it notes, hanging it on the wall. But it's incredible. You can, you can do so much streamlining of thinking and making your thinking so persuasive and logical and step one, step two, step three, which ultimately, if you, if you reflect that back on your consumer, they don't have the time to waste with you. So do you, yeah. think, do you think infographics are getting more complex or are we trying to streamline them even more? Is that an unfair question? Um, I don't know if there is an answer to that. Um, I think that we're really starting to recognize the, the value of different things that aren't necessarily traditionally categorized as, as infographics. So things like mind maps and timelines are, are, are so, are so useful from a communications perspective. Um, but maybe they were, I mean, you, you wouldn't usually see a timeline in a business presentation. No, they're completely <laughs> like not. That's, That's like why not I'm, like I said, I'm totally surprised that people are surprised. Yeah. You know? So I, I mean, I think if anything, we're kind of branching out to see like different types, different formats, different presentation styles. Um, but I, I don't know if you can really say one way or the other that infographics are getting simpler or getting more complex. If anything, um, they're just becoming easier to make. Yeah, that's ultimately, that I mean, it, you know, it comes down to that with brands too, where you, if you're if you're creating a great brand experience, you just want to eliminate points of friction and and every time somebody gets hung up and has to go on to chat to figure out how to do something or hire somebody to do something, you lose, right? So Vengage, I know using your stuff, you're just hammering at making it as simple as like what Airbnb did, you know, uh, taking this huge complex thing and making it super streamlined and easy. So uh, yeah, awesome. Listen, so Vengage.com, folks go check it out, uh, try it out. You run into trouble, what do you do? How does Vengage um, help me? Yeah, so we have a pretty active blog, um, vengage.com slash blog. I write content for this blog. Um, there's all sorts of stuff that can help you with design tips, um, some content marketing tips, branding, basically anything that you mm -hmm. could have a question about, we have an article about. Um, we've also got a really uh, great customer service um, team. So just chat us up and we'll be able to answer your questions really quickly. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Yeah, it has been my pleasure. Thanks. Midori Nettiger, thank you so much. And thanks for listening to Didn't See It Coming. You've been listening to Didn't See It Coming, the podcast for brands that learn from the past, look to the future, and profit because of it today. I'm your host, Mark Stoiber. 